This podcast may contain content that is triggering or inappropriate for certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of Boonies True Crime. You can email me at booniestruecrime at gmail.com, follow me on Instagram at booniestruecrime, leave a voice message at https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash booniestruecrime slash message and donate on Anchor. Please also give me positive feedback through your podcast provider. I also want to recognize the people who have supported me thus far. By listening to the podcast, following slash providing feedback through your podcast provider, and interacting with me on social media, it is much appreciated. Without further ado, from the boonies, this is Megan, and tonight I will be covering part one of the complex disappearance of Mara Murray. I chose to cover this case because I have been following it for a long time and I would really like to see it resolved for Mara and her family. Most of the following is from Wikipedia. Mara Murray was born on May 4, 1982 in Hanson, Massachusetts to Frederick and Laurie Murray. She has two sisters, Kathleen and Julie Murray, and two brothers, Kurt and Fred. Fred is a junior. Mara was the second to youngest, Kurt being the youngest. She was raised Irish Catholic. Mara's parents divorced when she was six, and she lived primarily with her mother. She ran track and graduated from Whitman Hanson Regional High School. Mara then attended the United States Military Academy in West Point, New York, where she studied chemical engineering for three semesters. During her freshman year, she stole a very small amount of makeup from the commissary at Fort Knox during a training expedition, violating the honor code. Mora was not expelled, but allowed to transfer to the challenging University of Massachusetts Amherst nursing program. She had a boyfriend named Billy. Mora worked in security at UMass Amherst. She drove a 1996 black Saturn sedan. Mora was American, Caucasian, 5 feet 7 inches tall, 120 pounds, and had wavy brown hair which she usually wore up at the time of her disappearance. She was smart, capable, and experiencing some issues at this time in her life. In November 2003, Mara was caught using a stolen credit card to purchase fast food from a variety of places surrounding UMass Amherst, and in December she was essentially given three months probation. On February 5, 2004, she spoke to her older sister Kathleen while at work concerning Kathleen's relationship issues. At around 10.30 p.m., while still at work, Mara apparently started crying hysterically. Her supervisor reported that she was in a catatonic-like state and took her back to her own room at 1.20 a.m. Mara's supervisor asked her what was wrong, and she only said, my sister. In 2017, Kathleen explained that during this referenced call, She told Mara that she had been discharged from alcohol rehab that evening and her fiancé took her to a liquor store, which was emotionally distressing. On Saturday, February 7th, Mara's father Fred arrived at UMass Amherst and supposedly took her car shopping and later to dinner with a friend of hers. After that, he advised she dropped him off at his motel at 9pm and took his car to a dorm party, to which she arrived at 10.30pm. At 2.30 a.m. on Sunday morning, Mara apparently left the party, and at 3.30 a.m., on her way back to Fred's motel, hit a guardrail on Route 9 in Hadley. This accident caused $10,000 damage to Fred's car. 
An officer responded but did not conduct a field sobriety test on her. Mara was driven back to Fred's motel, and from there, at 4.49 a.m., she called her boyfriend Billy from his phone. Further details of the call are unknown to the public at this time. Later that morning, he discovered that the damage to his car would be covered by his insurance. Fred then rented a car, dropped her back off at school, and headed to Connecticut. At 11.38 p.m. that evening, he called Mara to remind her to pick up accident forms from the Registry of Motor Vehicles, and they agreed to talk about these and make the claim over the phone Monday night. But that would never happen. After midnight, now on Monday, February 9th, she used her personal computer to find directions to the Berkshires at Burlington, Vermont on MapQuest. At 1 p.m., she emailed her boyfriend, Billy. I got your messages, but honestly, I don't feel like talking to much of anyone. I promised to call today, though. Mara also called to find out about renting a condo in Burlet, New Hampshire, where she and her family vacationed in the past. This, last, this call lasted three minutes, but she did not rent this condo. At 1.13 p.m., she, she called a fellow nursing student, although it is not known why. At 1.24 p.m., Mara called a work supervisor of the nursing school facility to advise that she'd be absent for a week because someone in her family died, although no one did, and made plans to contact them when she returned. At 2.05 p.m., she called a number and listened to a recorded information about renting hotel rooms in Stowe, Vermont for five minutes. At 2.18 p.m., Mara called her boyfriend and left a voicemail promising to talk more later, and the call ended after a minute. She packed clothes, toiletries, textbooks, and birth control pills in her car. Later, campus police would find Mara's dorm packed up and they believe this was done between Sunday night and Monday morning. Atop a box was a printed email to her boyfriend about their troubled relationship. Around 3.30 p.m., Mara left campus in her car. Classes were canceled that day due to an impending blizzard. At 3.40 p.m., she withdrew $280 from an ATM. The camera showed she was alone at this time. Mara then purchased $40 worth of alcoholic adult beverages from a nearby liquor store, including Bailey's Irish Cream, Kahlua, vodka, and a box of Franzia wine. The camera again shows that she was alone at this time. At some point, she also picked up the accident forms she and her dad had discussed. Mara left Amherst between 4 and 5 p.m., apparently taking Interstate 91 North. She made a call to her voicemail at 4.37 p.m., and this is the last known use of her phone. No one currently knows where she was going, if she even knew, or if they do, they are not saying so. Please tune in next week for part two. I'm going to save my best guess for next week when we have discussed all of the information for this case.
My positive note for the day is that my daughter is finally feeling better. She had an ear infection, fever, and rash this past week, but all is well now. I want to shout out to her doctor for being awesome. I hope this episode finds everyone in good health. I've posted a picture of Mara as well as my sources on the Instagram post pertaining to this episode. Please contact authorities if you have any information about this case. You can email me at booniestruecrime at gmail.com, follow me on Instagram at booniestruecrime, leave a voice message at https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash booniestruecrime slash message and donate on Anchor. Please also give me positive feedback through your podcast provider. It is much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, live your best life and be safe. Good night.